Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. I'm your guest host, Chris Boutwell. And today, friend is Jesse from Phoenix. And his story is The Haunted Deck. Jesse, thank you for joining us today. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Um, my name is Jesse. I'm uh, from Phoenix, and I'm usually the host of this show. But I wanted to thank you uh, for coming on and hosting for me because I have a story that's 100% true. And Chris, whether you're a believer in goofy, weird stuff or not, or a skeptical, I think this story will still be fun for everybody to enjoy. What I uh, urge you and the people listening at home to try to do is put yourself in my spot with my thinking, and you'll know what I was thinking each step of the way. I want to start off by saying that I myself have always been a believer. Um, I'm one of these guys that thinks that if I do something wrong, that there might be somebody up there looking at me. Uh, and at the same time, if I do something good or, 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 or nice, I think there might be somebody up there kind of keeping tabs on it. Um, I think a lot of us are born believers, you know, because maybe we grow up in a religious family or what have you. Um, and, and that might be part of the reason I'm a believer, because it's kind of a, a trendy, nice family thing to, to be a believer. But I'm truly a believer, Chris, because weird shit happens to me. <laughs> and um, I um, got married at age 23 to a woman named Elizabeth. And when I got married, our, the gentleman that married us, his name was Pastor Malcolm. And one of the things that I remember specifically from my wedding day was at the end of our vows, when everything was said and done, the pastor said to everybody in attendance, I want to welcome Mr. and Mrs. Jesse Jameson, and I want them to know, you know, that may the wind always be at their backs. And it was really interesting because prior to my wedding day, as far as money and finances and just success in life, Chris, mm -hmm. I was kind of subpar. I was, I was below average. I had more debt than I had any money or savings, you know what I mean? And so I was just kind of a guy that was out there trying to find my way. Um, I had already had a child with my ex-fiance and I was paying child support. So I already had a, an 18 year old or an 18 year to go bill. Um, and with Liz, part of the reason that we did get married, I'm kind of embarrassed to say was because she was pregnant with child. Mm -hmm. And we actually had a situation where my son who is now 21 was actually a part of the wedding. So he was actually born when me and his mother uh, got married. But to go back to what Pastor Malcolm said, Chris, he said, may the wind always be at your back. And what's interesting is from that point forward, from married forward, I was always very successful. I don't know what it was, but I went from making 30 or 40,000 a year to all of a sudden I was making six figures. And I just really got to the point where I was really thinking um, that I was kind of living a dream life because I was. Let's go back a little further. 
when I was younger in grade school, middle school, and even the beginning parts of high school, I was a kid athlete. I loved sports and I was really good at it. But where everybody else in high school, Chris, had a growth spurt, I felt like I was stuck in a sixth grade body. Uh, when I started high school, I was five foot nine, 122 pounds soaking wet. And when I graduated, I was five foot nine, 129 pounds soaking wet. So we're talking, I stayed small. And so I had to kind of, at least after high school, kind of put the kibosh on sports, um, which was one of those things that I already, I always kind of hated because I was kind of a now uh, an adult that still felt athletic, but I didn't really have an outlet. Mm. So one day, me and my wife went for a birthday party or a friend's get-together at a bowling alley. I, I think we did something like Midnight or Rock-A-Bowl. Are you familiar with that, Chris? I am familiar with Rock-A-Bowl, yeah, actually. It was a fun thing, and it's kind of an Arizona tradition that at least at one <laughs> point in your you know, teenage or adult life, you do Rock-A-Bowl with everybody, right? And it's basically just bowling in the dark with neon lights and rock and roll music from what I remember. Absolutely. And it was just a ton of fun. And we decided to take it a step further and to actually join a bowling league. Hmm. What was interesting about the bowling league is it was the first time that I had ever uh, known what a handicap was. And if you're familiar with golf, you kind of know what a handicap is. It's kind of a unique way to kind of level the playing field. Right. If you're playing with a scratch golfer and your handicap is, you know, if you're a seven or eight, you know, he's going to give you seven or eight shots, um, you know, during the course of a round. And then you guys can kind of play head to head no matter how good or how poor somebody is. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how the bowling league was, because you have some people in there that are borderline professional. And then you have some people in there that, you know, each time they're bowling, there's always a chance that they might throw a gutter ball. Right. And, and here's the cool thing with the bowling league. Everybody put up a couple bucks. And at the end of the league, two or three of the uh, top teams got paid out. Mm. And we were one of the teams. We ended up finishing second or third. And I think we each got like 75 bucks. And it was just, we were ecstatic. It was just a, a whole bunch of fun. Mm. And we had actually talked about on that drive home, me and my wife had actually talked about, you know, maybe should, we should look into a softball league or some other sports because we enjoyed bowling so much. But at the same time, bowling is really difficult when you have one child and then part-time you have a second child. Mm. You have to always arrange us for a sitter um, because sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily want the kids there every single week if it's easier for them to have a sitter, you know? So I think I forgot to ask you, when you uh, how old were you and your wife and you guys got married? Uh, it was in 1999. I believe I was 23 Okay. Uh, so still, still a bit, a bit younger at the time. I was. Um, it's interesting because some kids, I felt like when we were out of high school, some people got married right out of high school, 18, 19. Yeah. And I know some people are smart and they wait till they're 30 or maybe they're genius and never get married, right? But, exactly. uh, but I, I at 23 had realized that, hey, this is a woman that I don't necessarily love her for her looks, not that I felt like she was ugly because I didn't. Mm -hmm. But I loved her for the person that she was, um, you know, so I felt like we married for the right reasons, even though from outward appearances, it looked like we only married because, you know, we had just had a baby. Mm. Um, so we're talking about joining a softball league, Chris, and then we end up going home and we turn on ESPN because, you know, 
like most people, we channel surf, right? Trying to find something interesting to watch on TV. And on this particular night on ESPN, it was the final table of the World Series of Poker. And there was a new person that even if you didn't play poker or never have, you've probably still heard of this name. It was a gentleman by the name of Chris Moneymaker. Hmm. It's a great um, name. It's a great name for poker, and it's just a great name in general for somebody that's dealing with money. And that was the go ahead. Well, that was the interesting thing about um, about poker. It was like this game uh, that was really intense, no different than our bowling league. Uh, but instead of seventy bucks on the line, I mean, Chris Moneymaker was was winning millions of dollars. Wow. I had never played poker before, and I had always seen poker as kind of one of those bar games where maybe you go in a back room of room of a bar and you always have a risk of meeting some shady characters for so for whatever reason um the people that i had hung out with we never had anything to do with with poker or really cards in general so i i know that um i grew up in a religious household and they looked really they looked down a lot on on card playing and gambling and stuff like that is that do you think maybe that's where that came from for you did you grow up in a religious household well you know subconsciously we get these little ideas they're kind of seeds in our head yeah and if those seeds are planted when we're two three four and five we we don't necessarily know that they're planted in there right Mm -hmm. and so i agree with you there might be a religious aspect that i just saw gambling kind of on the same lines of as drugs and alcohol Um, that, you know, you know, there's people out there that can handle a drink, but it's real easy to become an alcoholic. If you start messing with drugs, it's real easy to become a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And I'd imagine if you start gambling, uh, from what I heard, it's super addictive. Right. Um, Interesting, interesting uh, side plot to that is, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you and I are both Arizonans, Chris. And now we're old enough where we could go to any casino in the world. But when we were 18, we were able to gamble in Arizona. I don't know if you ever went to Fort McDowell. Uh, absolutely. I have some great memories there. I, I, I really I enjoyed it. Lost a lot of money too. Uh, me too. Me too. Because all I knew how to do then was put money in a slot machine. You pull exactly. the money and before you know it, you're down a hundred bucks and you're like tearing up because that was your rent money or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. Um, another cool thing about that was in, I think when I was 19 or 20, I believe they made it where you had to be 21 to gamble in Arizona, but here's the cool thing. People our age got grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. So we were in a situation where we were still able to gamble. So it just kind of felt like a little bit of adulthood uh, that maybe other people that were 18 uh, didn't get to experience because maybe they, you know, they didn't get in there in in time, so to speak. Um, A couple of weeks after we watched the ESPN World Series of Poker with Chris Moneymaker. And by the way, the game that they were playing was a game called Texas Hold'em. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know anything about poker. I knew some hands because, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to know what a full house is or what three of a kind is or what have you. But Texas Hold'em was interesting because me and my wife literally kind of figured out how to play just watching that two or three hour show with Chris Moneymaker. And so all of a sudden you're, you're watching this thing that was really entertaining or borderline enthralling. And all of a sudden you're slowly picking up this game to the point where it's like, I think I can play that. I think I can do that. Um, 
we started getting obsessed with it, Chris. We started watching not only the World Series of Poker on ESPN, but we also went to Bravo and watched World Series uh, with celebrities after dark or whatever it was called. And we also watched um, the World Poker Tour. So we really learned the game super quickly. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks later, we go to Blockbuster Video. I don't know if you remember Blockbuster. I'm sure you do. I Oh, absolutely. They're not around anymore, but they are definitely a big part of our childhood. Yeah, and I love them, and I think everybody does. That's what's kind of sad when there's actually a place everybody loves and it still doesn't make it. But one of the things that I did is when I went there, I always loved how they had the new releases up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like even to this day, it's hard to find out all the new releases that I want to watch. And I miss that blockbuster wall. But one of the uh, movies they had there was actually an ESPN classic. And it was basically this movie about this poker player that was no longer alive named Stu Unger. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, this guy, when he was on, he could just tell when his opponent was bluffing. He could tell when his opponent had a strong hand and he needed to fold And basically in the story, you just get the real impression that Stu Unger just knew something a little bit deeper about the game uh, than other people did. And so I made up my mind that I wanted to play and be like Stu Unger. I wanted to be cocky. I wanted to know that I was going to win. And uh, I didn't want to I didn't want anything to hold me back. A couple of uh, weeks or months later, I say weeks or months because I don't exactly remember the timeline, but I was in a situation where I was supposed to pick up my daughter and I was about 45 minutes early and I had some time to kill. And I look up at this building where I'm waiting in the parking lot and it was a neon sign. It said $10 and it was a palm reader. Hmm. I'm embarrassed to say this. I've gone to a more than one palm reader. Have you ever for fun, Chris, gone to a palm reader? You know, I did once at the Renaissance Festival. I don't know. I don't know if uh, the listeners have ever been to one of those. Um, but uh, they sometimes they have those at the those those festivals. And I sat down with one once, and um, she was pretty accurate. She kind of she kind of read what was going on on my life at the time. But um, I don't know that I would pay for one again. But it, it was a little eerie. So when I uh, started this story, I told you that I've always been a believer. And I used to shoot three-point baskets by myself, you know, at the park. And Mm -hmm. I think everyone's done this where you say, you know, you pretend like you're Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, or Larry Bird. And you say, you know, Magic Johnson for three. And I would shoot and I would always miss, right? And I would say, and occasionally I would be like, hey, if I make this, you know, God make me, you know, six foot three and 220 pounds, you know, and then I'd shoot it and I'd miss. But what's funny is when you're a kid, you always kind of say, okay, that one didn't count. (laughs) So I'm going to do it again. Right. (laughs) So I just want to kind of give you that story that that's kind of how my thoughts were. I always felt like there was a sign. Mm -hmm. Um, So I go to this palm reader, I give her my 10 bucks and I say, hey, I don't care about if I'm going to be rich, this, that and the other, because I know that you guys always say nice stuff. Uh I go, I really am in love with this new game. It's called Texas Hold'em. It's been around forever, but it's new to me. Do I have a future in it or should I get away from it now? And she told me something that was really interesting. I thought she was going to say, oh, you're going to be a champion and the best in the world, you know, definitely do it. But she didn't say that, Chris. She said, Texas Hold'em is going to be a profitable hobby for you. Hmm. 
And I just thought that was bizarre because it was like, here's this woman that just sounds like the words like profitable and, and, and hobby. You know, it just didn't really mesh with her, her reading because before that she was telling me, oh, you're a very loyal person, blah, 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 right? So she tells me that it's going to be a profitable hobby. That Friday or Saturday, I forget which one, I go to Fort McDowell and I'm already 23, so the age limit doesn't really come into effect. But we're playing a tournament. First place pays like 1500 bucks. And one of my friends named Stacy was in the bathroom when I went in there during the first break. We're both still alive. And we said to each other what we always do. Hey, if I win this, I'll split it with you. If you win it, you split it with me. And if you know you're going to win it, you would never split it, right? But you're always thinking, well, just in case, let's hedge our bets here. Let's split it, okay? So I end up making it to the final 15 players, Chris. Um, Stacy is eliminated. And I end up getting what's called a flush, which is where you get five cards of the same suit. Okay. Okay. But I didn't see it. What I saw was my ace and my five hit an ace and a five on the board. And somebody else already had three of a kind. So I actually stood up and started walking away. And I said, congratulations, because I was just hurt. Before I could get to the door or the exit, somebody goes, hey, sir, stop. You have a flush. You've won the hand. Oh, wow. Chris, I ended up not only winning the hand, I ended up winning first place in my first poker tournament. That's amazing. The first one you ever tried. It was amazing and it was fun. And it was the first one that was immediately after the palm reader. I had done two or three before that and got bounced pretty quickly, but it was the first one after the palm reader. And what I did with my 1500 was I started walking out and I saw Stacy and, and Stacy said, congratulations. And I said, Stacy, here's your 750 bucks. And the winner got not only 1500 bucks, but a hat. Oh, wow. I went home. The first thing I did was I told my wife how I won and I told her how uh, it was 1500 bucks. And she goes, no, prove it. Show me. And all of a sudden, I pull 750 bucks out of my wallet. And Chris, she made me feel so bad. She basically berated me, called me an idiot for agreeing oh, to give no. half my money to worthless ass Stacy when he wasn't worthless at all. He was a really good friend. Wow. In order to get her off my back, I did something that I regret to this day. I gave her the other half of my winnings. I gave her 750 bucks just so she wouldn't be mean to me. I got the hat. Oh, no. Well, for everyone just um, listening to uh, Jesse's story, um, we've, we've heard him learning what poker was from watching on TV and um, now winning you know, his first tournament and then that caused a little bit of drama at home. So um, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to go ahead and listen to the second segment of Jesse's story. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. 
If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Uh, well, today we're listening to Jesse's story. The Haunted Deck, and he has just kind of gone through the story of how he learned poker, and he went to his first tournament at the casino and uh, actually won it. He won $1,500 and split that between his friend Stacy, and then had to give the other half half to his his wife because uh, there was a little bit of, of drama from, from, from winning that, and all he was left with was the hat he won as, as sort of a trophy. So, uh, Jesse, uh, go ahead and, and uh, bring us through the rest of your story. Well, the hat was more than a trophy to me, Chris. To be honest with you, if the if I would have paid a hundred bucks and the only thing that I would have won would have been the hat, I would have been ecstatic as long wow. as it was as long as it was for the champion of the tournament or the winner of the tournament. Sure. The seven fifty that I gave gave to Stacy was just one of these things where because I was successful, I my life didn't depend on the seven fifty, and I just felt like it was a really upstanding thing to actually keep my word. Yeah. The real question is, would Stacy have kept his word with me? I'd like to think that he would have because he was actually a really decent human being, and he still is. I just haven't seen him in years, not since he took that money and ran. Um, <laughs> the thing that's upset me even to this day is, you know, I feel like I feel like I let myself down by giving my wife 750 bucks. Mm. She couldn't understand the loyalty or the faithfulness to a friend to actually give him his half in an agreement that you make. Mm. 
Um, as a matter of fact, her excuse was he wouldn't have given it to you. And I don't like when people speculate on what other people would do um, because I, I felt like I was a pretty good judge of character when it came to Stacy. Sure. So I have a question. Um, you gave the, the, the 750 to Stacy and then you gave the other half to your wife. How did you feel that that would sort of rectify that situation? Um, was it sort of just to appease her anger or um, I, walk me through that? My wife is one of these type, my ex-wife, <laughs> obviously divorced now. <laughs> she was one of these types that each Christmas, each birthday, you had to one up what you did beforehand. Oh, no, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And what's really lame about it is that she was a stay-at-home wife, which is a 24-7 job, right? And I would give her an allowance. Uh, her allowance was a couple hundred bucks a week. All she had to do was basically shop with it. You know, she used, the, she used my debit card when it came to grocery shopping or anything like that. So the, her money was literally her spending money. And because she was the type that was just so interested in money, the 750 was just a quick, easy way for me to get her to, to hush. Oh, gotcha. I, I wanted to absorb all the cool positiveness that came from winning. And I was so excited and elated. And this hat was really cool. Number one, I'm one of these guys that can't really do hats. You know, I wear a hat and it just looks kind of like it doesn't fit properly. Um, but I would actually take it and pin it on my on the loop of my shorts or, 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 or pants. And so every time I went to the casino, that's when I would loop it on. I'm not mm -hmm. one of these that would loop it on and, you know, walk around with it like a WWE championship belt or anything. <laughs> but whenever I went to um, Fort McDowell to play again, I would always wear it because I felt like it was letting people know, don't necessarily mess with me. I've won this before, you know? Um, but again, like I said, I feel really guilty. I should have been able to, to enjoy the whole 1500 um, because I should have had enough confidence in myself that I didn't need to split it with anybody. Sure. Um, especially when you consider that I was successful and, you know, the hundred and some odd bucks to enter the tournament uh, wasn't really that big of a deal. Mm. I wanted to play poker, but every time um, I wanted to play, I had to take my wife with me because keep in mind, she liked gambling too. Um, and she had gotten to the point where she didn't really want to play cards as much as she wanted to play the slot machines. Mm -hmm. So even if we went to the casino and let's say I won a couple hundred bucks, um, I would have to kind of cover her losses. So it was yeah. just really kind of disappointing. So when I was watching Chris Moneymaker uh, win the WSOP, the World Series of Poker, one of his sponsors was this online site called Poker Stars. And I'd be willing to bet, Chris, that even though you don't really play poker, I'd be willing to bet some point in your life over the last 15 years or so, you've heard the name Poker Stars. Absolutely. Right? So Poker Stars, what was really fun is not only could you play for big money, but you could play for micro money. I mean, you could literally take 50 cents on there and, and play, you know, one and two cent hold'em. It's not, not as exciting as the big game, but it's still a good way to kind of satisfy your itch or your craving to play. One of the things that I started collecting with Poker Stars was FPP points. It's frequent uh, player points. Mm -hmm. And I had collected enough where after a couple of months, I was able to get a t-shirt. It was a black Poker Stars t-shirt. And it was ugly as sin, but I loved it because, you know, it was something that I had slowly but surely earned. Um, we started playing home poker games. And Chris, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can get a cheap deck of paper cards. 
um, or you can get a little bit more expensive deck of plastic playing cards. Mm -hmm. And the reason plastic cards are better is they don't really bend as much. If they do, you can kind of put them back into the original spot. So they can't be marked. They're a little safer to play with. Mm. Um, when I had gone to the casino, I always loved how the dealers shuffled because they don't shuffle, you know, long ways like amateurs. They shuffle uh, widthwise at the corners. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just a unique, compressed, quick shuffle. It has a really cool sound. And I wanted to learn how to do that. Um, and so I did with my plastic playing cards. But here's the interesting thing. I got those plastic playing cards with more FPP points through Poker Stars. And they gave you a choice. You can get the black and red or you can get the four colored multi deck. Now, Chris, every deck I had ever seen in my life was black and red, right? Black and red cards. Mm -hmm. This four-color multi-deck, I had started playing with it online. It just makes it where you can kind of see and notify, notice your cards a little bit easier. And so I ordered a multi-colored deck. And I was, I'm really disappointed to say that when I got the deck of cards, they were obviously used. Oh, no. Now, here's the interesting thing. I believe they were used in a live tournament. But I also believe that they didn't let me know if they were or not, but they were obviously a used deck because the seal was broken. You pull out the cards, you realize that all 52 are there. They're pristine. You love them. You're not going to complain, or at least I wasn't. That became my deck. Mm. Um, a couple of weeks later at our home game, using this new deck of cards, me and my friend Jack and my friend Stacy and my wife, we wanted to play a, a trick on one of our guests. And I forget which one of our guests it was, but we had pre-plotted the deck of cards so that the guest would get a straight flush and one of us would get a royal flush. <laughs> and it had to be one of us that could play the trick. And I was the one that came up with the idea. So I, I made myself have the royal flush, right? Because we just wanted to kind of see how the other player would play their hand and stuff. Yeah, so I, I, my, my brother um, plays a fair bit of cards. And uh, one time when he was in town um, visiting, we were sitting around playing poker and I had to take the dog out to walk. And I came back and I sat down to, to start a new hand and I had a royal flush. flush. And I remember I, I must have had a shit-eating grin on my face. Um, and like I just laid these cards down triumphantly. And then my brother just started laughing hysterically at me because he had stacked the deck too. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I've had that done to me and it was, it was quite funny. And, and I'm someone who doesn't play a lot of cards and, and kind of barely understand what beats what. But um, it, was, it was a pretty funny moment. Well, and that's why you do it, right? Because they, they, they did it because they wanted to see your, your shit-eating grin, right? They wanted and, to see your gears rolling. Yes, yeah. and, and the person that we had played it on, and I forget if it was Melissa, who I'm going to bring up again in the future, or if it was somebody else, because it was a joke. You don't necessarily remember a joke that happened 20 years ago exactly, right? Um, or 15 years ago. But basically, 
she played her hand perfectly. She had a poker face on, and that's what made it even more fun. She was 100% serious. And when you saw the look on her face when her and I are all in, and all of a sudden I have a royal flush, she was just hella disappointed. But the good news is we quickly let her know, take your chips back. It was all just a game. And it was funny because, I don't know, when you get a good, good hand like that, you get a little adrenaline pumping. You might even shake your fingers and get nervous. Poker is a real game of emotions and it really shows. Same with bluffing. Sometimes people bluff and they start shaking and getting nervous because they feel like people can just read that they're full of shit, you know, but, but the reality is uh, most people can't read you at all. Um, But it was a learning experience. Now, the reason I brought up that, that joke, because that joke isn't a huge part of the story, but in a way it is because seriously, the, Two or three weeks later, we, we had our game every Tuesday night, I believe. It was either Tuesday or Thursdays. Um, but two or three weeks later, the scenario happened again. But Chris, this time it was me and Melissa. I say was me and Melissa because the first time I don't remember if it was Melissa or somebody else. Mm. But this second time, it really was me and her. And nobody had stacked the deck. Wow. So... We have this situation, and I believe it happened first or second hand of a home game. And we would have eight or nine people at this game. And the last thing you want to do, Chris, is watch for two or three hours because you get eliminated on the first or second hand, right? Mm-hmm. Melissa got eliminated, and she was just livid, pissed. But she was there. She knew that there was no playing with, with the deck. And I was trying to explain to her and everybody was trying to explain that this is kind of a magical moment. You don't really have, you know, a a nine high straight flush versus a royal flush. You just don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of the situation that we had. So needless to say, I won that hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember at the beginning, I brought up the fact that I've, I've always been a believer. Absolutely. Okay. So, If you shoot a three-point shot and you say, hey, if I make this, I'm going to win a million bucks. And if you miss it, I don't know about you, but I was always the type that would be like, okay, that didn't count. This time it's for real, right? (laughs) And you shoot it again. And of course you miss, you know, clank, brick, whatever you want to call it, right? And that's the type of kid I was growing up. I would always shoot something and give myself a reward if I made it, even if it was a fantasy reward, such as a million bucks. But I was also used to accepting the fact that I missed and that one didn't count. Let's try it again. What's interesting about this is now I'm 26 years old, 25 or 26. And I had made a decision to go ahead and put $1,500 down and go to the World Series of Poker. Not to play the main event. A lot of people don't know this, but there's, you know, 30, 40 events that they have. And I played a $1,500 limit hold'em event. Limit hold'em is just where you basically can bet in small increments as opposed to going all in. So it's a slower game and I wanted to enjoy myself and I went with no expectations until I pulled out my multicolored deck of cards from PokerStars. Chris, what I'm about to tell you is 100% true. The whole story to this point has been 100% true and it will continue to be. But what makes this part of the story true is that there's two groups of people that we can go into. Three, actually. 
The first is a group of people that just says it's a bullshit story. It's a fiction. Okay. So let's call them one group, right? The second group would be people like me, believers that, ooh, there's something to that. And then the third group would be people that, that are mathematicians and scientists that say, yeah, there's something to it. It's called you, you had a high probability that came through. Sure. So I pull out my deck. I do a couple of my card shuffles because at this point I can shuffle just like a dealer at Fort McDowell and I'm really pumped, right? And I say to myself, Lord, if I'm going to be a poker player, whether it be now or in the future, give me some sort of sign. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm basically back to being a 10-year-old shooting three-pointers, asking for a sign. Just like that 10-year-old, I'm expecting a brick. And I was right because the first card that I dealt was the two of spades. Oh, no. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> it doesn't bode well. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to basically announce the fact that, um, you know, we're going to have to redo this, right? Yeah. But I yeah. don't. I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a poker player, but I know that's, a, that's not the, the foot you want to lead with in a, in a hand. It's really not. So I have a two of spades. Keep in mind, this deck is not a traditional black and red deck. Now, I wish I could tell you I remember the exact color coordination of my four cards. I don't, but I believe that the two of spades was still black. What were the other three colors? Do you remember what they were? Those are the ones that are kind of challenging for me too, because I believe it was the blue clubs. I believe it was green Actually, now black, black, blue, green, and red. I believe it was red or orange. Okay. I actually think it might have been orange for some reason. Hmm. Um, and again, that's part of the story where a naysayer might say, "You don't even remember the color deck you had." All I could say <laughs> is, "I, you know, I, I do remember it was multicolored." That's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story at this point is that the first card out is a two of spades. Wow. Well, um, let's go ahead and uh, kind of recap what's happened then. So you've you've uh, you've gotten your your uh, lucky deck of cards. At least we think it might be lucky from the from the World Series of Poker, and uh, you've you've taken that to your first major tournament. And the first card you pull out is not the best card. So um, we're gonna go ahead and take a break, and then uh, we'll be back uh, to hear the rest of Jesse's story. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? 
TuneIn Live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Uh, today's friend, if you're just joining us again, is Jesse Jameson, and he is going to continue on with his story, The Haunted Deck. Yeah, and for all of you that are wondering who the heck this Chris Botwell guy is, he was actually my first guest. Uh, his story is Chris from Phoenix, Get Out of My Closet Dad. So if you ever want to check that story out, a lot of people have told me that they loved that story. And Chris, I've seen a lot of people write you messages saying thank you for sharing that story. It was a really wonderful story that you shared. And a lot of fun to do as well. So if there's any listeners out there who have a story who, who uh, would like to share on J- um, Jesse's show, um, feel free to email him and, um, and uh, you might be able to get on the show and share your story. Thank you for that for that plug, Chris. That was very nice of you. <laughs> so right before we left, I told you that the first card that I dealt was the Two of Spades, which was a black card. Um, the very next card that I pull out of the deck and I lay down is the Three of Clubs. Uh, in a multicolored deck, the Three of Clubs was green. Mm-hmm. And again, at this point, I'm looking down and I see a two and a three and there's not a flush capability, right? Because they're already off suited. So it looks to me like no big major deal. But let's keep in mind, before I put out these cards, I did ask for a sign. Mm. So I pull out the third card and I lay it down and it's a four of hearts, which is a red card. So we have a black, a green, and a red card. The next card that I deal out was a five of diamonds. Hmm. Now, a lot of people are wondering at home, did you do a burn card? I believe I did a burn card. I say I believe because, again, that's not a huge part of the story, whether you do a burn card or not. But I was so into poker, I don't see why I wouldn't have made the fourth card a burn card then the fourth card. So I believe I did have a burn card, if that makes sense. Also, did you say this was your first hand of the tournament? It's, this isn't a tournament. This is me at my home poker table completely alone. Gotcha. Chris, okay. you're the first person in the world I've shared this story to because, well, let me ask you a question. If somebody gave you the ability to fly, but they also told you that if anybody ever saw you using your ability, you would lose it forever. I don't know about you, but I'd be doing a lot of flying in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at night. Would you want to? Right. I wouldn't want to lose that ability, would you? Absolutely. And so the story that I'm sharing with you and ultimately to my audience is one that I've been superstitiously not wanting to share with anybody. Mm. And maybe we could talk at the end of the show a little bit about why I'm willing to share it now, because it's not just because I want to share a good story. 
But so far, we have a two, three, and a four, and a five, all in rainbow colors. Mm. I do a final burn, and then I throw out the river card, and it's a six of spades. Now, I told you earlier that a mathematician or a scientist will just say, hey, that's a low probability, but again, there's nothing magical or paranormal about it. And normally, I wouldn't have thought that there would be either. But when you add the fact that the idea of throwing out a hand like that is so rare in one shot, and you also couple it with the fact that right before I dealt it, I was asking for a sign. If you're asking for a sign and you get something like that, Chris, Mm. doesn't that feel like a sign? It does. And it's so weird because even now I just got goosebumps on my arms because, you know, keep in mind, this deck had already produced some really weird situations. I had a weird situation with the palm reader. And if anybody out there believes in a four-letter word called fate, Hmm. this really started to mess with me. From a Christian point of view, though, you could say, hey, that could be a demon, the gambling demon, right? So, I mean, there's two ways to look at that. But all of a sudden, I have this, this straight that's on the board. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't match up any of my cards because I wasn't looking to play a hand by myself. I was just looking for a sign with the cards. I was honestly expecting, you know, maybe four of a kind or something, if anything, right? Um, I was not expecting to hit a rainbow straight like this. Now, again, that's not really where the story ends, but let's just say that when you're looking for a confidence boost or a sign, that really filled my cup over the edge. I was pumped. I had decided to uh, put up my $1,500 and to enter the World Series of Poker uh, Limit Hold'em Tournament. And this is something that people can actually check. If you were to Google Jesse Jameson WSOP, you'll see that in in uh, 2006, I, I did cash in my one and only event. Mm. And it's so cool to know that I am forever in the history books. Nobody can ever take that away from me unless North Korea or China takes out the internet forever. But I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, right? Hopefully not. So, These are strange days. Right. So I love the game more than ever. Now, because I've gone to the World Series of Poker and gotten a cash, and and Chris, these aren't 100-people tournaments. The tournament that I was in had darn near 1,200 people in it, and I got 74th place. Now, it's funny. When I say I was excited about 74th place, I sound like Gaylord Fokker's dad, right, saying, hey, my son got 12th place. You know, here's your 12th place ribbon, right? Um, But but really, it was an accomplishment, and um, it was something I was really proud of. So I kept playing, we kept our home game going, and in 2007, I decided to go back. Um, But here was the weird thing about 2007. When I had uh, decided to go back, I was really getting tired of my wife's negativity. Uh, Am I perfect in the relationship? No, I don't think anybody's perfect, right? But I I had definitely felt that we were growing apart. I did win a tournament or bring home some money playing poker. She almost hated it and made me feel bad because her experiences at the casino were mainly losing, Mm. um, whether she played poker or the slot machine or not. But either way, we decide that we're going to get a divorce, but I had already planned to play not one, but two events at the World Series. And for whatever reason, um, we had talked about me going by myself Um, But for whatever reason, she went with me. 
And I don't know if you remember, but I told you at the beginning when we got married, Pastor Malcolm had told me that, you know, may the wind always be at your backs. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how that's supposed to be taken, but I take it as in, hey, if the wind's not against you, it's for you. And that's a good, good luck type, you know, hey, good luck with your marriage. Here's, you know, all the best hopes, may the wind be at your back. So I went uh, and did my second and third tournament at the World Series of Poker with my wife, almost soon to be ex-wife by my side, and I cashed again and again. So now I'm one of these guys that I'm probably one of the few guys that in their first three tournaments, they cash. So all of a sudden I'm feeling like, hey, I'm going to be a professional poker player someday, yada, yada. When we get back um, in 07, I complete my divorce. Um, I decided to kind of pay off my wife uh, because I wanted to keep the house that we were in because I, I frankly loved the house that, that we were in. So I wanted to stay and she kind of wanted to go and have some money to work with. So it kind of worked out for her as well. Hmm. But then all of a sudden my job hit a snag and um, I ended up basically going from making good money to making really below average money overnight. Um, and it wasn't long before I lost my house to a foreclosure. Wow. So I win these two tournaments and then I, I, I divorce after that foreclosure and, um, I'm feeling pretty blue and pretty bummed because now my plans for the next year are probably going to involve some credit cards. You know, if I want to play, I'm going to probably have to (laughs) get some cash advances on a credit card, which is not how you want to go into gambling at all. Absolutely. Um, have you ever heard of a book called the secret, Chris? I have actually. It's a good little, it's a good little book and it was a page turner for me. And it basically said that, Hey, whatever you ask the world or the universe for, um, if you just kind of accept the fact that it's going to happen, the universe will find a way to kind of bring it to fruition and make it happen. I had always had a crush on a girl named Lisa. I don't want to mention her last name, but her name was Lisa. And I kind of asked the world or the universe or the ether, I said, hey, let me move in a way um, to and from work. Uh, let me just, let me somehow meet up with Lisa. And Chris, this is another weird part of the story. Two days later, I'm driving to work. I take an alternative route. I'm at a stoplight uh, at the freeway and Greenway Road here in Phoenix. It's an area that I'm sure you've been to hundreds of times. A lot of my friends have. I look to my left, and who do I see? Lisa. Hmm. Really, really bizarre. I roll down my window. I kind of motion to her. She rolls down her window. I write my number on a piece of paper. I say, call me. I throw it, in, <laughs> I, I throw, I, I throw it into her, her uh, car. Hopefully, she recognized you first. She did. She did. <laughs> and we only had a brief second because the light turned green, and I didn't want a bunch of people honking me, right? So I said, just call me. Trust me. And uh, so she ends up calling me and I ended up hiring her for a job because at the time I had decided to start my own business Mm. and I'm one of the 95% that just failed. So it was kind of like I had a chunk of money that I basically just absorbed through really quickly. Um, But at least I had Lisa in my life and like any good boss, I uh, Weinsteined her (laughs) (laughs) in a good way. We were friends and I, you know, I basically just told her one day, I said, please tell me that the Lord or tell me God did not put you on the planet just to tease me and give me this anguish. I want to be with you so bad. And it was just, we had a magical kiss 
And from there, we were together. But Pastor Malcolm told me when I was married that the wind would always be at my back. Now I was divorced. And for the last couple of months, I felt like the wind was hitting me square in the face. Mm. I read The Secret. I find this girl that I've always had a crush on. We're now dating. We're really excited and happy uh, to be together. Um, but all of a sudden on Poker Stars and everywhere that I went, all of a sudden my luck was bad. It wasn't like average luck or, you know, hit or miss. It was like bottom of the barrel bad. And what was really weird is I would be playing a hand in Poker Stars online, you know, on my laptop in my bedroom. And Lisa would walk in and I would instantly lose. Oh. And so I jokingly started calling her bad luck. And when you start getting into maybe a borderline gambling addiction, you can start thinking someone's bad luck. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're bad luck. And you're like, God damn it. Don't come in the room when I'm playing, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden you sound like a, a crazy guy. Right. Um, we we end up going back in 08 to the World Series of Poker. I want to do two more events. I saved up enough money to do one event with cash. Um, I get down to the final 111, 112 players. We only need to go for probably another 15 or 20 players before we're in the money. Lisa was up in the room. I had given her a couple hundred bucks so that she could gamble and kind of keep herself company, so to speak. To keep her away from you from keep the table. Keep her away from me and the table, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I jokingly still thought she was bad luck. I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. She all of a sudden is right in front of me. I'm on like seat eight and she's basically behind the guy in seat two. So she's looking right at me. I go all in against a guy that has a crap hand. He ends up sucking out on me. I get eliminated. It's the first time I've been eliminated from a world series without, you know, making it to the money, so to speak. And, um, and she was there and it literally, my luck turned, you know, in my eyes, right when I looked up and saw her. It was like where Liz was a mean wife that, came, that brought me good luck. Lisa was this wonderful person that just brought me uh, a bad luck. Now, did she watch that happen? Do you think she, that crossed her mind that, oh crap, I came down to the table, look what I just did? Well, her thought was bullshit. Let's go have sex. You know, I'll make it up to you, right? So we go, we go and we have, we go and we, you know, we do our thing and we have a lot of fun and, um, Two days before we're set to come home, I'm down there by the casino floor and I decide to pull out my Discover card or my Visa card, I forget which one, and I decide to take a $1,500 advance. Mm. And instead of even telling her, I just literally <laughs> go and sit down at the tables. Uh, I'm texting her, you know, hey, I'm just playing, having fun. You do the same, blah, blah, blah. We'll catch up with each other soon, whatever. Um, I got eliminated within like 45 minutes. Oh no. And so all of a sudden I've lost $3,000, frankly, that I didn't have. Um, and that's kind of the story. I, uh, I wish I could tell you I was with Lisa still now, but things just kind of got worse. It ended up being where I didn't really trust her. It happened years later. We were together for a total of about eight or nine years, but a couple of years later, things started to get where I didn't really trust her. Yeah. Um, did she gamble at all uh, too? Was she, was she into it? 
she enjoyed gambling, but she was the type that could gamble with 80 or 100 bucks or 200 bucks and not, you know, make a huge deal out of it. Where Liz was the type that after she went through her 200 bucks, she wanted 200 more bucks. Mm. And if you didn't give it to her, there was an argument and a fight in public that was going to pursue. And, and I, I just couldn't stand that. Um, the tough thing was, is when Lisa came in my life, basically gambling and poker left. Now, some people might say that's a blessing in disguise, and I can agree with that. Mm. And Chris, I never wanted to share my cards that I dealt myself that day uh, with anybody. But over the past handful of years, because of financial woes and what have you, I've kind of become sort of a minimalist. Mm. In other words, I don't really care about having a fancy house or a fancy car like I might have at once upon a time. And when you no longer care if you win a million bucks or don't, because it's not going to change who you are as a person, all of a sudden you think, well, maybe I can share what happened. But yeah, I kept that story to myself for the past 13 or 14 years Mm -hmm. because I just always felt like if I told somebody that it would make me winning in the future, it would make it not happen. And I don't necessarily want to be a captive to superstition, so to speak. So, you know, my game plan is, is now that I'm doing well and I don't have any women to hold me back now, I, I would like to save up and actually make a run at it again. Cause I think there's something cool in you know, not being able to go for 13 or 14 years and then kind of making a comeback. Do you and, think it's worth asking God for another sign if he should go back in? Well, my thinking is he already gave me a sign. Mm. And here's the thing. Sometimes I think to myself, well, what if that was Stu Unger that was giving me a sign? Or what if somebody that played on that with that poker deck, uh, uh, deck on a, in a real tournament, what if maybe they died or perished and their soul or their energy is still locked into these cards? Mm. And then I don't know if you've ever heard of simulation uh, theory, but, you know, there are some people that think we're just a big Sims out there. We're just a big simulation and that there's oh, somebody we're, playing. We're, we're a computer program. Right. And somebody's, somebody's obviously the programmer or the simulator, right? And sometimes I wonder if, you know, maybe that guy up there talks to me, you know, or, or tries to, you know, give me a sign every now and then. And like I said, I'm a believer because weird stuff happens to me. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the weird things that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's, there's plenty of others, and I don't think they're the last. I think there's going to be more stuff that happens to me. And I think weird stuff happens to us all, Chris, but I think sometimes we just kind of chalk it up as in, yeah, it's no big deal coincidence it's you know uh yeah i i've certainly had small things like that happen to me and i'm sure some of our listeners have as well so so mike yeah so my question for the, for maybe you and for the listeners real quick would just be to ask themselves you know if you were in my situation and you asked for a sign and were immediately given a sign how would you take it and what would you do with that information um and that's my story. So I thank you, Chris, for coming here to help me share it with, with my audience. Absolutely. My pleasure. And um, it's a great story. And um, a lot of us have, you know, I think the things in our life that um, we have events that happen that make us wonder, you know, if it's a, if, if uh, there's something bigger watching us go through life and if it's more coordinated or if it's more chance. And so um, that's something to think about. So, and uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and uh, again, if any of your listeners um, have a story that they like to share, they can certainly contact you and, um, and uh, might put that on the air. 
And stay tuned next week. We'll have another person on with another great story to share. Thank you for joining us on Jesse Jameson and Friends. Chris, thank you so much. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye. My pleasure. See you guys. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.